We come from the net. Blogs, websites, podcasts, to this place. The, the Mainframe Thank you all for your valiant efforts in fighting the web. Unfortunately, it was all for nothing. As we speak, your CPUs are being shot out of the sky. Farm, drop all defenses on the principal office. And welcome to Mega Frame. Now that I command Hexadecimal's power, none can stand against me. You did that? To your own sister? Yes. It's rather good. Hello and welcome back to Mainframe Chronicle, the best reboot review podcast on the internet. Arguably, it could also be the worst. Yep, uh, I'm pretty sure we're actually both because I don't think there's another one out there. So we'll focus on the best part, though. We'll, yes, we'll do that. Of course. We're very optimistic here at Mainframe Chronicle. As always, joining me is Joey Morris. And you are, as always, Dan James. Yeah. I kind of just threw that for a loop and threw Joey for a loop there, and he caught it and went with it. So, And that's <laughs> why we're the best. I right know. This, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, getting, we're hitting our stride, man. Cool. How you been, man? It's been a while. It has been a while, and most of that's my fault. Uh, it's been very good. Um, I, I work at the Indiana... State house and our session just ended, so I can have a bit of a life back again. Uh, but that also means I'm out of a job, so uh, I'm moving back to Evansville. And I mean, I do have a job lined up, but it's going to be a different one, and we'll have to start all over again. But finish up school and and look into the future. What about you, Dan? Oh, you know, just busy working. Um, last month, there's well, there's this thing called National Novel Writing Month which happens every November, and they do this Camp NaNoWriMo as what they shorten it to. And they did that in it last April, so I decided I want to do that. And so I wrote a novel. Um, it's it's really awful. Uh, not 100% complete. I just need to you know, write the last couple chapters. But I've been busy with that all of last month, which helped to push this episode back quite a bit. And then Joey got busy with the final finale of his caucus thing. And, you know, his dad gets in a car accident and stuff. So, yeah, he's good, though. He's, he's fine. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, glad everyone's OK there. Just kind of sucks for the podcast sometimes. Yes. But, you know, when it's, oh, I have to drive a couple hours to pick up my dad because he got in an, accident it's it's kind of hard to say well we had a podcast that we were supposed to do and not really 
my dad did reasonable. want me to tell everybody that he apologizes for that. I you know, made fun of him, but good. it's all good. So now we have it on record that, you know, we made fun of your dad for getting in a car accident and he apologized. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> uh, last episode, we teased that there may be news coming from another podcast and it turns out there's no reboot news. The guy just said, you know, we love Reboot and we're looking forward at ways of moving on with some Reboot stuff. Which is kind of news. At least they are yeah. interested in talking about it again. Right. I mean, it's it's like the news before the news. Yeah. It's, you know, keep an eye out in the future as there may be something if we ever get our shit into gear. Can't say that on this that right. podcast. Hashtag bring back reboot is so more important than ever. Yes, yeah. definitely. Let's drum it up. If you have a Twitter, definitely use hashtag, hashtag uh, bring back reboot. You just said that, and it somehow left my mind. Awesome. It's been a long day. Fair enough. It's a left in my house, so... Yeah, uh, I was working at the UPS store today, and it's finals week at NAU, so everyone is moving all their stuff out and bringing it to UPS to ship. It was a busy day. We did about twice as well as on a normal, decent day. So yeah, long day. Fair enough. Which is why I'm glad we're podcasting. It's a good way to, you know, chillax and just have some fun. Exactly. I don't smoke, so this is a good way to, you know, calm down. A lot of mm-hmm. people do that. I don't do that, so there you go. Second only to drinking a nice glass of scotch, in my opinion. Yeah. Which I do a lot more frequently because I live with liquor store owners, and that really does. It's very bad, though, I think, to get into that. <laughs> I am super jealous. <laughs> awesome. Cool. A lot of wine. As well, I've, I've become a wine connoisseur. I never would have thought of that. You know, mm-hmm. when I try and describe goon to them, they they don't <laughs> the concept. So. Very few people do, <laughs> especially when you add in the part where on the side of the box it says "warning may contain fish, eggs, or milk." It's and like, that's what I try and bring up to them, and they just don't understand. But I, it's hard to even think about how it tasted anymore. For those of you not in the know, Joey and I met in Australia. Uh, go back and listen to episode one of the Mainframe Chronicle podcast, and you can hear more about that story. But they have boxed wine that is referred to as goon, and it's just super, super nasty. It's not like boxed wine. Like, you can go get, what is that, Frenzy or whatever. Frenzy, and that's yeah. Legitimate alcohol. Goon is just horrible, but it's the only thing we could afford, so we drank it. it's super cheap it was like 10 bucks for two liters or something like that disgusting do you remember i was just talking about this the other day actually when we played thunderstruck and i drank a liter of goon because they hit me at that wrong (laughs) god that was a good drinking game i feel like we could do a podcast about the drinking stories we had in australia yeah we could actually um because we have Plenty of them. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, but we're responsible, okay? There's no drinking and driving, mostly because well, neither one of us had a car. But either yeah, way. that's the main reason. <laughs> and also, the, you, the you want public trans- transport was great. 
Yeah. You always want mass transit. Indianapolis, which is the city I live in, has been discussing getting mass transit, and that's my argument for it. Yeah. You never have to worry about drunk driving. Los Angeles is awful for mass transit. Um, but yeah, we're not here to talk about drinking. So mainframe chronicle. Um, so mainframe chronicle. So arrow, as we say on the Rogue Arrow podcast. <laughs> which there's a drinking game for, and that's one of the rules. <laughs> really, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, <clears throat> reboot. Uh, we're on to season three. Um, we're I actually counted out how many episodes are going to be on the Mainframe Chronicle podcast, and we reached halfway, and we're going, oh. you know, down the other side of the hill now. All downhill from here, guys. The, the back nine, if you will. The, I guess it's back seven because there's going to be 14 episodes. On no. the one hand, it's really exciting. On the other hand, it's kind of sad. It is because I've enjoyed this. Me too. And we're going to talk about what we're going to do afterwards, but we haven't quite decided yet if yeah. we're going to keep podcasting or not. Um, to continued on that discussion. Exactly. If you have any input on that, if you want to see us talk about something, send us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com and we will take it into consideration. Absolutely. So you want to jump in the episode? Yeah, why not? We're uh, starting off on season three today and uh, I think the first one is yours. Do you uh, do you want to kind of quickly recap actually season two? Because I had to think about it as well. You know, a lot of big things happen. That's true. Uh, yeah, it has been a little while, so why don't we discuss it? I mean, season two, we get introduced introduced to Andrea, who's kind of Enzo's counterpart, so that he can have someone to hang out with besides, you know, frisk it. And uh, eventually, pretty much the climax of the uh, season is the a wormhole gets opened up to the web and a bunch of stuff starts coming through. So the reboot team up with the reboot team teams up with, uh, what's the uh, megabyte and hexadecimal and start fighting them off. And they eventually do fight them off. And just before the portal closes, megabyte sends Bob out into the web and that's kind of where we leave off as Megabyte changes reboot into Megaframe or mainframe and, into Megaframe. And the only thing I would add to that is that Bob deputizes Enzo to be the guardian uh, if something were to happen to him. So when something did happen to him, you know, Epso Fact, he is now, Enzo is now the guardian of mainframe. Yep. Let's do it. All right, so episode three, or excuse me, season three, episode one, to mend and defend. Uh, its original air date was August twentieth, nineteen ninety-seven. It was written by Marv Wolfman. Uh, the story was by Gavin Blair. Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Michael Corey. Uh, the summary, Dot, Fong, Mouse, and Enzo take refuge in the principal office, fending off megabyte and hexadecimals onslaught to the city. 
an incoming GameCube inadvertently intervenes on Hex's attack. Meanwhile, Enzo, unable to resist his guardian protocol, enters the Evil Dead-inspired game. Uh, there's a couple first appearances. We had Specky, Binome working in the central office. Um, you know, just a couple other important firsts. Uh, this is the first time the Megabyte does the intro, which I think we'll be talking about. Um, this is the first episode that Bob is not in. And uh, this is the first time that I ever remember seeing the perspective of the user in the game. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. So, Dan, yep. what do you think of this episode? Uh, before I get into that, uh, the name Marv Wolfman, does that ring any bells for you? Not me. No. What about you? Uh, yeah, he's he's a comic book writer. That's that's where I know him from. I know you're not as into comics as I am. That is true. But he is most known for uh, creating the Vampire Slayer Blade over in Marvel and the new Teen Titans. And now, the new, now the new is that like an actual comic book strip? The new Teen Titans, yeah. Okay, because I know uh, that they're coming out with another show that is the Teen right, Titans. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a relaunch in the '80s, I believe, of the Teen Titans. They, he just put the word "new" in front of it to make it to differentiate it. Fair enough. And probably the thing he's most well known for is writing the Crisis on Infinite Earths miniseries miniseries which is what ushered in the modern age of comics if you will okay it it t- took all the back ish, or all the like previous stories that weren't necessarily you know within the same continuity and kind of explained it by saying there's a bunch of different universes and kind of streamlined everything into you know this is going to be the modern universe in DC for from here on out well, because I, I was listening to something the other day, and they were talking about how the problem with um, DC is that it's just a hodgepodge of different universes. That, you know, Marvel was created as the Marvel Universe, and then they created out of that. But DC, you know, had consolidated a bunch of smaller com- er, companies throughout the years. So their universe was just a little complicated. So I think that just that made sense to kind of do something like that. Yeah, and uh, nowadays it's like the exact opposite of that in that, you know, the DC has one universe. I mean, arguably, too, there's a book called Earth 2 that kind of takes stuff from an alternate universe, but there there's two main universes, if that. And Marvel has their normal universe and then their ultimate universe, which is completely different. And then a whole bunch of other random stuff that occasionally appears. But yeah, that that's my comic nerd coming out. Uh, just kind of exciting because the next two episodes are also written by uh, comic book writers, which is probably why I like this trilo- th- uh, trio of episodes quite a bit. I just think they're very well written and I, and I, you know, they're, they're not very clumsy. I think all the dialogue leads to something. And I think that's probably because they are written by comic book writers. So. Yeah. Cool. So this episode I'm greatly in love with. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of the series. 
Yeah, I could say that. I, I didn't think about it right away as like an all-time smash hit uh, after I watched it. But then, you know, it kind of mulls in your mind afterwards. And I was like, you know, really, in all, in all reality, this was fantastic. I enjoyed it very much, though. It started off with an aerial battle, which I'm just, you know, schoolgirl giddy for aerial <laughs> battle. So that's... I that's think awesome. we all are. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, there's there's a lot of references to Evil Dead. I mean, the game itself is called Malicious Corpses. Yeah, that's just fantastic. That actually reminds me of... Did you ever watch Boy Meets World when you were growing up? No. No? Okay, I'm a huge Boy Meets World fan. Topanga was my first crush, I think. But um, <laughs> Anyway, he does a short... Like, there's a movie where Boy Meets World cast goes on to a show called Kid Gets Acquainted with the Universe. So that just cracked me up, and it just reminded me of that when I saw Malicious Corpus, it was virtually the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. But yeah, uh, I think I'm probably the only person in the universe that has seen Evil Dead 1 and 2, but never seen Army of Darkness. Um, that could be true. Uh which is unfortunate because Army of Darkness is pretty much known as the best of the three, probably because it throws out any realism and just goes for it. Yeah, it certainly is the most well-known. I, a lot of people don't even know that there's a series before the uh, Army of Darkness, and I've, you know, I've seen those. I haven't actually seen that one. Yeah. But, ooh, I mean, the first two are good. Um, there's a, you know, an odd scene in the... Evil Dead 2 that involves some trees and a young girl, but mm-hmm. that that will always stick out to me as a classic cinema moment. But um, <laughs> I don't know if was, classic is the right word, but <laughs> we'll go enough. with it. <laughs> Memorable. How's that? But yeah. those, trees, those trees made an appearance in Malicious Dead, or in Malicious Corpses, the game. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Coolio. Uh, yeah, did that... It's just the first of many references. Oh, yeah. And this uh, is just going to be... Yeah. I have a note here that says, first time we get the name of the game in the episode, um, which I don't think is actually true, thinking back. I think the... Uh, um, what is it? The Clown House or something like that. Fun House. The Fun House. Yeah, I think that was actually mentioned as the Fun House, and that's the name of the game. But yeah, um, the user is based on Ash from the series. I mean, we see him and he looks like uh, the guy who plays him, whose name I can't come up with right now. He's on burn notice. That's all I know. Yeah. Uh, he even had a, a chainsaw for a hand. Yep, or- chainsaw for a hand. Like, it, I wonder how they get away with some of this stuff. Uh. There's, well, first off, they're Canadian, so the copyright laws are probably lesser. Second off, the the movie isn't really wasn't very big at the time. I mean, it was starting to build its cult status, but not That's, nearly I've as. I've thought about this. I mean, it would make sense to do this now because there is a cult following of that movie. But then I wouldn't. I didn't realize that that was so popular. I never thought about that. This is '97, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
uh yeah and lastly it's it's kind of a parody which is very much protected under copyright law so well yeah that's um obviously on top of ash we had morticia adams as well yeah dot reboots into a very similar looking character did you notice that there was also like they did the adams family riff in the background as well I I thought I did, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, it was it was there. It was, it was like doodle doodle doo. I thought it was pretty cool. As as a past Coldstone singer or employee yourself, did you ever have to do the Adams Family Coldstone song? Uh, yes. Yes. I can't remember it right now though. I can, but I'm not gonna. Do <laughs> I'm sure it. if you started it, I would. You maybe know, for maybe come for up with it. Episode. Yeah. But, um, if you want to hear that, send us some emails saying. <laughs> That we should do okay. that, and it'll exactly. happen. Um, and then, of course, uh, Enzo, Michael Jackson, really. Yep. That would be awesome. And it totally pays off towards the end when he uh, has to dance to dodge the bullets. <laughs> uh, so good. But if there were a dance move that would make you dodge bullets, clearly Michael Jackson, Thriller, and, of course, he threw Billy Jean and a whole bunch of other stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, his dance moves would make you do it. So, exactly. And of course they have the manual of mortality as opposed to the Necronomicon or the book of the dead. Yeah. I love that word. Necronomicon. Well, I can't say it apparently, but I like it. <laughs> uh, and I mean, they, they go so far obviously to make the cabin look like the cabin in the, the movies. Uh, but there were even like some technical shots that very what much mimicked the style of the Evil Dead franchise. Like, there's a couple of zooming camera shots where it zooms up to the cabin, and that happens all the time in those movies. Well, especially when too, when they burst in the door and they have that kind of like chin shot like down from below. That was very reminiscent of that as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you notice that um, uh, the tombstone inside the cabin that uh, they had the joke towards the a, you know ABC? No, I didn't. Uh, here lies the mainframe joint venture, an unlikely alliance. Nice. But clearly, they're still upset about ABC dropping them, and since well, like, and you can tell the difference between season two and season three that. ABC was part of the reason that they were censoring certain things. Right. And clearly in this episode, it's completely different because they have a little bit more leeway to, to work. Exactly. And we didn't really mention that. Um, so, yeah, between season two and season three, ABC in America decided to stop airing it, the show. They, they dropped the show in America, but the um, mainframe productions or whatever they call themselves was like you know we should keep making this for canada and so they did but since you know most of the censorship was from abc and there's a bunch of jokes in that in the early two seasons about that um that they are able to take you know the evil dead and make an evil dead episode or you know a james bond episode yes which was also Amazing. I can't I'm wait. super excited to talk about that one. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, you can, yeah, they, they consistently made fun of ABC 
which is I retain is the only reason ABC dropped them if they were insulted. That so. could be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this uh, th- this episode, I thoroughly enjoy this episode. Uh, there's not a whole lot wrong with it. There's, um, I mean, Enzo is a little kiddish, but that's kind of the point. This is kind of him, his chance to prove himself. Yeah, and, you know, they've they got to grow him up so it's easier to start him back a little more kiddish. Yeah. Again, and then, you know, you can see the see the change um, in it, which we, I guess... Um, well, I guess we can finish talking about um, the game before we move into the actual part of yeah. the episode well. But um, another reference inside the game was uh, I, I love watching old movies, and one of the huge stars of the early talkies, as they were called, was Mae West. And she made it big saying, come here, big boy, which is, of course, what uh, Dot used when, when I think it was a scarf or something when she wrapped it around um and used it as a whip which i love hearing those things and finding out those things because who knows where come here big boy actually comes from right you know those phrases that have been in society for so long but anytime may west spoke it was in a very sexual manner so that really fits her character but you know good stuff yeah, I really enjoyed the game in this episode. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, they had a nice breaking the fourth wall moment where oh. uh, I think it was Dot who says, what kind of sick creature gets enjoyment out of playing this sort of game? And then everyone looks at the camera. Yeah, that was good. Which, I mean, nowadays, th- this is not even that, you know creepy or dirty or nasty of a game not even close no because first of all you're killing undead things we know that that's not real you know now you can pick up grand theft auto 5 and pick up a hooker in your back seat for crying out loud and then you know, you know half your money back which that always <laughs> oh, you only get half your money back where does yeah. the other money but whatever it's covered in blood you don't want blood money Yes, I do. If I've already, if I've already <laughs> done all of that, then I, I don't think that step is any further. That That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, uh, we had another Stay Frosty reference early on in the game. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. It's always uh, a good one. Yes, but no, that's the breaking of the fourth wall, I that was good. I, some people overuse it, I think. It was very taboo for so long, and then people, like a lot of sitcoms nowadays. For, I'm thinking Thirty Rock. I think sometimes they overuse it, but this was a perfect, perfect way of using breaking of the fourth wall. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Breaking of the fourth wall has to be done really, really subtly or very cleverly in order for it to work for me. And yeah. this this one did just because it was kind of a satire on its audience, which yeah. is always a fun thing to do. I completely agree. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about is how awesome Frisket looked as an undead dog. I mean, Frisket's always awesome. The listeners of the show know that we love Frisket. Sure. And, yeah, he he was awesome. I feel like he went down a little too quickly, but... But then yeah. he came back. So, yeah. Well, and I don't know how exactly, but he did, so it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's Frisket. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it looked like he got shot through the head, but... Whatever. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the game before we move on. 
Oh, I, I talked about it in the beginning, but what do you think about seeing the user from his perspective? Uh, I really thought it was cool. Um, I mean, it, it's just a quick glimpse, but it was very, like, it reminded me of the game Doom. It was, it was very much in that style and had kind of the same stuff on the screen. I just I just love when, you know, we, we watch a show and we feel like we have done it all, and then they figure out something new that rather small like you said but you know new gave it gave it a new feel yep good stuff do you have anything more about the game or do you want to go into Uh, the i'm good on the game i think um you know so before we went into the game obviously there was a storyline that brought us into that and obviously everyone is under siege at this point and the principal office is just doing everything it possibly can to survive and uh the, the gang is, is doing what they can and trying to cope with Bob not being there, which I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, clearly Dot is having an, an issue, and I thought Kath, Kathleen Barr did a good job as voice acting because she seemed really scared and hurt that he was gone. But um, I'm glad that just Dot in general's back is being hardcore. She turned in kind of a damsel in distress some episodes in the last of the end of the second season, so I'm glad she's back in charge. Yeah, I mean... It- she needs to for her character to be interesting to she yeah. needs to be that kind of you know gung-ho i'm awesome kind of uh, oh absolutely uh, yeah we get a really nice shot of the map of mainframe at the beginning i didn't notice uh yeah it's real quick they're in the central office and it's kind of a overview and then you know they're they're in the war room, which, I mean, looks kind of like a Star Trek ship. There's a bunch of videos on the wall and stuff, monitors and everything, where they're just controlling everything from. And in the center is just the big circle of mainframe. Oh, okay. You think, I, I do remember that now. Like, talking about it. Yeah, the war room looked awesome. Uh, I don't know how it upgraded, but it looks awesome. <laughs> Magic. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, what's his name? Specky, the new binome helper yeah. dude. I thought he was, it was pretty funny. At one point he had like a very, it reminded me of just a very Horatio Crane or Kane, whatever his name is from uh, um, CSI because he like takes his glasses off all dramatically and he's like, I can't beat these codes or something like that. And I just <laughs> thought it was hilarious. Uh, the original Horatio Kane. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we get to see him a lot more as this season goes on, I believe. He looks familiar, but I don't, I don't remember anything about him. Yeah, I don't think he's ever a main character or anything, but he's he's around, you know, kind of like... Uh, um, Aerodoc Porter. Yeah, you know, just, just one of those secondary, tertiary characters who's yeah. around, like uh, Algernon and Binky. Oh, sure. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we talk about all these Evil Dead references. I'm sure you caught the Scarface reference. Yeah. I mean, that one was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just love it. I mean, you know, we've got Evil Dead and Michael Jackson and Scarface. What do they have in common? Reboot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. But, uh, what do you think of what you know, the advantage of Hex. I mean, clearly it's obvious that he would do something like that. Um, oh, yeah. Her being hit by the game, though, that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, it it was kind of similar to um, an earlier episode when uh, Megabyte's stealing the power from the central office and the game comes down and he's the truck. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, the the Mad Max game. Bad yeah. Bob, that episode. Yeah, where the game itself is causes some sort of issue with the plan. And it, it yeah, it, it, like, takes out um, Hexadecimal's gun, like, destroys it and kind of screws her up a bit. Enough for um, Megabyte to capture her and put a collar, I guess, on her neck that he can sap her power out without actually, you know, using her. Well, I mean, using her without having to deal with her. Right. Which, I mean, you talk about censorship. I did think that fried up hexadecimal is probably a little too much for a kid show. Because that was, I mean, she was horrible looking. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It looked a little, <laughs> a little scary. Yeah, I, I can see that. It, it I is. I like hex, I don't know. That's why uh, I think leaving ABC was a good choice for them. They they're able to go that one step further. Shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I it, it's fine. I I did. I was a little shocked by it, but it wasn't bad or anything. Right. Cool. Um, there was just so many references and stuff. Of mm-hmm. course, we have the um, at one point. Uh, Dot says, you know, go the seven or nine seven zero one vector. She's telling it to the troops, and that's the production office or the production number. They love throwing that number in there somewhere mm-hmm. all the time. Um, yeah, know, and then the pilot responds with like proceeding to heading one one three eight, which is a reference to THX one one three eight, an early George Lucas film, which I've yet to watch, but I I've never I, even heard of that. Yeah. Actually. Uh, when Inception came out, I was looking up movies that were, you know, uh, psychological thrillers along the lines of Inception, and this one came up. And I've been trying to uh, watch it since then, just never got around to sitting down with it. Mm. One of these days. Yeah. Um, I've never. George Lucas is obviously a very successful filmmaker, so I'd be interested to see what his early work was. Um, there were two foreshadowings that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, Enzo, of course, has an issue later on, and it's foreshadowed here twice. As a zombie, his uh, eye falls out. And then also in the cabin, um, the uh, talking ear, you know, that's mounted on the wall, says it's always funny until somebody loses an eye. And I think that'll become, you know, obviously relevant in the future. Yep. Cool. Uh, I think we saw a bunny foot uh, zombie binome. So that would have been Frankenbinome then? Yeah. I, I mean, Frankenbinome is what he's mostly known as, but his name is Bunnyfoot because he has a bunny for a foot. Oh, well, I guess they both were, but yeah. Yeah. And I I thought that was interesting because I mean he looks like a zombie already with you know uh, arms being out of place and everything, 
That's true, yeah. And they they really just changed the color on him to make <laughs> him zombified. That's great. Dan, do you have anything more about this episode? I think I'm good for this episode. I enjoyed I mean, I, it, but I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, and I'm sure we missed some of the references because I couldn't keep up with them. There were so many, but I think we got some of the bigger ones. And the overall story was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, oh, the only thing I, I, I wanted to add, I mean, it's not very important at all, but um, at the end of the episode, uh, Mouse compliments Fong and his ability to uh, you know, bring back the shields and stuff. And he gets so red-faced and embarrassed. <laughs> I thought it was the cutest thing, you know? He got, he was so impressed that she, you know, said something to her. I, I don't know. I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he has a good line after that, too. Like, something about, oh, you're such a flatterer or something like that. But I don't remember what it is, but it was good. It was yes. a good Fong moment. Darn it. Uh, yeah, and I also want to retract my statement earlier and say that uh, the guy who played Ash, is his name is Bruce Campbell. Oh, I should have known that. Yeah, as should I. And just, you know, brain farts happen. Yeah, absolutely. And also, this is like, I think this is the episode that I was watching in Australia when I was like, dude, have you ever watched Reboot? They just did a, a, a Evil Dead parody. And I think that's kind of what started our conversation about Reboot. Well, this is just a ceremonial episode, isn't it? Yep. Uh, so this episode is probably why we have a podcast right now. You know, it's halfway mark of our of the show, you know, beginning the halfway mark, and it's the beginning of uh, this podcast. So way to go to mend and defend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have any quotes? Uh, I've said a few um, throughout this, you know, the come here, big boy. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Say hello I, to my little friend. Yeah, yes, we talked about that. I don't actually think we said it, but yeah, there's that one. You know, Dot at one point said, delete that thought. You know, again, that's not very original, <laughs> but it's... it's uh, good jargon. only be used in reboot, so I just, you know, I always stick to that one. Um, at one point, there was a, you know, the binome that was complaining that um, Enzo is not as good of a guardian as Bob, which will be a recurring theme, and she just goes, Bob was, well, Bob was blue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a good line. I forgot (laughs) about that one. (laughs) What about you, Dan? Um, I mean, uh, Enzo at one point says, better do as she says. I think she has a plan, which is such an indicative line of Enzo and Dot's relationship where, you know, Dot really is the planner of the group, and Enzo recognizes that and really will blindly do anything she says because she's, you know, almost always right on with her plans. Which is different as a guardian uh, to how Bob dealt with Dot mm-hmm. because he completely ignore her plan and then just go in and sometimes her plan would have to save him. Um, and, you know, but Enzo growing up with her planning just says, okay, and then just goes with it. So there is that difference of guardians there. Yeah. And then there was a spot where that somebody said 
sorry to break up a Photoshop moment. Uh, that was mouse. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a mouse line. And, you know, Photoshop. Everyone knows what Photoshop is nowadays. Back I in get- 1997, I doubt anybody knew what Photoshop meant. When they do stuff like that, it just amazes me. Yeah. And, of course, it's a playoff of, you know, I don't want to ruin this Kodak moment, but right. Photoshop instead. And that's why I really like it. I mean, it's it's kind of a dual reference, double double entendre, if you will, kind of. Sure. Yeah, good stuff. And, of course, the classic uh, uh, tagline from the Evil Dead movies, the user says, groovy. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. But I think that will do it for m- to mend and defend. The circuitry! Oh, this is terrible, ladies and gentlemen. So many innocent binobes brutally nullified. Where was our guardian when we needed him? Why have so many innocents gone cut? Yeah, it's a wrap. Hey, you guys can't do this. It's a news-breaking story. The viewers have a right to know. Call it voluntary censorship. Yeah! Oh, we could make it involuntary censorship. (laughs) If you know what we mean. Episode 3.2, Season 3, Episode 2, is Between a Raccoon and a Hard Place. Originally aired August 27th, 1997. Written by Len Wein and story by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. In this episode, Fong convinces Dot that in order to give the citizens of Mainframe something to believe in, Enzo must face the user in a game alone as their guardian. So Joey, what do you think of Between a Raccoon and a Hard Place? Um, I feel like they were in the game for a large portion of this movie or this show as episode. And I did not like the game. So overall, I did not care so much for the episode though. I mean, it wasn't bad. I just something about, I didn't care for the game at all. Uh, what about you, Dan? I'm very much on the same boat there. Uh, it, it's not an awful episode, but it's, it's too much on Enzo being a, like th- there's just one note this episode plays and that's oh Enzo's not good enough but he has to prove that he is yeah you're right and that's all it does and it just does it multiple times and it just you know slow roll out you know at the end he's going to save everybody but he's got to learn it first and i mean there were some good references along the way and i think they were you know um not used to their full potential but um, yeah i mean it was just it was kind of a mundane storyline, a necessary one, I guess you could argue, but it just took forever, I think. Yeah, I just wish that they had something outside of the game, like another story to be following. Like, Dot has to fend off some invasion or something. That would have, oh, yeah. you know, lessened broke. the Enzo story, broke that up a bit, and made it more interesting of an episode. I agree. There were some good references, though, and good lines. So I guess, I mean, we have plenty to talk about. But, yeah, I agree. I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, the the episode, or the game is called The Rabid Raccoon Rocky, which is a crazy character who uh, is kind of 
like Sonic the Hedgehog meets the uh, what's his name, the Roadrunner. Yeah, I didn't even think about Sonic the Hedgehog. I was just going along Looney Tunes, and I I put that he was a cross between the Wily Coyote, Roadrunner, and then Petty Le Pew because he randomly decides to make out with Andrea. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, it it is very much a Looney Tunes episode. Almost as much as last episode was Evil Dead. This is Looney Looney Tunes. Exactly. The the reason I get Sonic is just pretty much the character design. He, yeah. After you say it it makes perfect sense. But yeah. Um like character wise and story wise it's very much Roadrunner versus Wiley e. Coyote. Uh, inside the game, you know, of course, he was Elmer Fudd, um, mm-hmm. had the huge big, or he as as an Enzo, you know, had the big head, talked in that weird impediment, you know, had the double barrel shotgun, um, and then uh, Andrea was just this cool biker chick. <laughs> yep, it was a weird mix, but it worked. Be very very quiet. I'm hunting raccoons. Yeah. Which is, of course, the line that he says in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's not a ton to say about this episode. Uh, some some good references, but other than that... Well, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, um, it, early on, before we get into the, the game, um, Fong says, may the net forgive me, which... I just I don't think we've ever talked about the net being like a religious entity. Yeah. Uh I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, very interesting tidbit. Uh I didn't even catch that. But I I don't I don't know. Uh it does kind of get a religious vibe in this show coming in season 4 at some point. I do remember some of that, but I don't remember the net being a part of that. I mean that, and that's. I mean that. Sometimes I think they might just use the net as just kind of a throwaway reboot reference, but it kind of makes sense because it's something that's very unknown to these guys. They know it's out there, but they're not sure what it is. And uh, and we talked about in previous episodes, kind of the difference between the net and the web and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Um, did you see Jean-Luc? Of course. How could you miss him? <laughs> I know. And then, of course, he says, the line must be drawn here. And he doesn't <laughs> say it, but the Picard reference, the next line is, no further. And that's just very, it's from the movie First Contact, which is arguably the best next generation movie. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, the new one comes out soon. Super excited. It comes out like four days before my birthday. So I'm, I'm oh, just, man. We're going for that. Happy birthday to Joey. <laughs> Thanks. I'm uh, pretty, I'm a Star Wars or Star Trek geek, so. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, there was another, while well, we're on that uh, line of thought, the Borg is a huge villain in the Star Trek universe there you know, half cybernetic and half or, uh, organic life forms. And their big thing is resistance is futile. And, you know, you can't resist them and they'll just take you over and assimilate you. And that's what, you know, mega, mega frame, uh, mega frame, 
megabyte said is resistant <laughs> style. So I thought it was pretty cool. But I think that's it for the Star Trek reference. For now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, clearly they were Star Trek fans too, because I mean they made Jean Luc a character. So <laughs> that's that's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Uh, other references though. Uh, in the game, there's a a broken truck that has the um, license plate two eight I F, which is the same as on the Beatles Abbey Road cover. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that that's another just you just know small thing, but you kind of have to applaud them for doing. Are you a uh, Beatles fan? I'm I'm okay with the Beatles. Uh, I don't think they deserve all the massive hype that they have, uh, considering most of their songs do actually sound the same. That being said, they're very great musicians and even better songwriters. So, yeah, okay. I, I'm I'm a fan, but not as big a fan as a lot of people. I get into a real Beatles mood. You know, like there's just a specific mood that I get into that I want to just listen to them. That's usually, you know, you just want to hang out and chill. Like, I mean, their music is all kind of similar to that. So. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion, anyway. And also, Abbey Road, or not Abbey Road, Eleanor Rigby is one of my favorite songs. So. I love Eleanor Rigby. Absolutely love Eleanor Rigby. And uh, I just lost the name. Uh, I Am Walrus. I love that one as well. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, we get the episode production number in this one as well. It's 9702, and it's on a high-speed train that flattens Rocky. Yeah, talking about flattening Rocky, when the uh, when uh, Enzo uses the bulldozer to go over Rocky at the end there, um, that was reminiscent to the ending of Judge Doom in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Nice. I need to watch that movie. It's been it's far too long. It? Oh, I, no. I'm pretty sure I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I have the DVD. I just I just need to watch it. It's so good. I I'm so mad at 12 year old me when I <laughs> watched the movie because my dad was like, watch this movie and try and figure out who did it. And I was like, Dad, I don't want to watch it. I just want to watch the movie. You know, don't make me. And I just wish that I would have tried to figure it out um, because. It's pretty. I probably couldn't have, but I was so adamant about not watching it or just watching the movie. But it's it's good. Yeah, I'll get on that soon. I'm sure. Did you when, just die? No, you're still here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, I don't know how how long we've been uh, talking yet, but you generally tell me when I bring up this reference. But when they brought all of the cardboard dots and Enzo pieces so they could get into the game. Uh, I immediately thought of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows when they decided to make everybody hairy so they could confuse everyone and got the real people out. So, I don't know. It reminded me of that. Nice. We made it almost an hour without Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, coming thinking back on it, yeah, that that is pretty obvious. Uh, I loved that. It was great. Um, I feel like they just did that in something else, but I can't think of it. It's I just mean, it's pretty great. common. B for Vendetta. I mean, that kind of yeah. 
Uh, the, the mob thing going on like i just love seeing the the bad guys reactions just oh there's bob and dot or dot and enzo oh wait there's there's two more wait the, there's tons of them what <laughs> it's good times um i think the only other real reference i have is when fong is giving his speech you know, about making Enzo a symbol for the city. It had a very presidential feel behind it, and that just reminded me of the West Wing. I've been watching that a lot lately, and any time that he he gets, any time the president gets into a kind of a spiel, it had very similar music that they used. That's another show I need to get into. Um, Oh, gosh. Not had the time to sit down and really get into it. I would try to watch one or two episodes just kind of in the background and it doesn't work like that no it doesn't and it is a commitment it's seven seasons and the entire hour is full of jam-packed dialogue and wittiness mm-hmm. so it's not like an easy seven seasons to watch right very you know very dramatic but um speaking of dramatic uh, yes. one of my favorite lines in the episode is uh, mike the tv is like what when a sector gets nullified, he he just goes, "Oh, the circuitry, the circuitry," which of course uh, is reminiscent of Herbert Morrison's "Oh, the humanity, the humanity," which uh, occurred during the Hindenburg disaster when that exploded in 1937. Which, which again, one of those things that I would never have known where exactly it came from. I love that. I was just gonna say that like. This is something that's been referenced in everything, and where did it come from? Nobody knows. Until now, Reboot, again, saves the day. Exactly. Until you listen to Main Train Chronicle and learned it. Exactly. Yes, we are the the main spreaders of this knowledge. Nobody else will ever learn that fact. I don't think so. Clearly, we are the leader of the pack here. Of course. Um, the only other reference I had was the American Gothic. The two binomes were dressed in the the Grant Wood American Gothic picture. Yeah, that was that was good. Uh, again, subtle but there and kind of obvious if you're you're paying attention. Right, and, and just super fun. Yeah. Absolutely. One that was even more subtle, though, was Sailor Moon. There's a binome dressed as Sailor Moon at the very end. I didn't even see that. You know, talking about Sailor Moon, Tuxedo Mask pisses me off and has always pissed me (laughs) off. He doesn't do anything. He shows up and he throws a rose at the end of the battle, and then he's just awesome. And I just don't understand that. I never have understood that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good. <laughs> so maybe maybe uh, Sailor Moon will be our next next podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, there was a big one that I wanted to talk about when they were on the suburban level. You can clearly see the Toronto skyline in the back, you know, mm-hmm. so just for Canada, but also uh, Metropolis, which is you know where uh, Superman lives, and it is based off of New York City, but the skyline is also based off of Toronto. Nice. So, just a little 
little tidbit of information. That's pretty exciting. Yes. So, you know, go Toronto. And I believe that's where they're shooting Arrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> No, that's Vancouver. I'm sorry. <sighs> Failed again. No, well, that's fine. Vancouver is where they're, they did all of the uh, reboot, so there you go. Um, another one of those cool phrases that we would never know is between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And that was from dialect note notes V, which was in 1921. I'm not even sure what that is, but yeah. that's where it came from. Thank you, Reboot Wikia. <laughs> yeah, that one came from that, that one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. So overall, I think the episode was mediocre. We, we had some great. references in between there but nothing that really made me all that happy yeah uh one more note before we move on len ween the guy who wrote this one is best known for co-creating dc's swamp thing and marvel comics wolverine oh really yeah you know nothing too big there yeah the new one looks pretty fantastic I mean, Hugh Jackman is just phenomenal. It's really, it's really awesome that you can go see Les Mets and see him sing and dance and then turn around and be Wolverine and pull them both off. Mm-hmm. I'm still a fan of him in uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie. Yes, I was, I was a big fan, too. Hey, Dan, did I ever tell you that I shook his hand? Yes, yes, you did, Joey. I, I remember very explicitly you telling me that probably three or four times. I tell that to Sarah almost every time she brings up Hugh Jackman and because nice. annoys her. But that's awesome. Anyway, you should tell that get... story real quick um, oh, for the listeners. Would, you know, I think if you just listen to this podcast, you'd assume we've done nothing cool in our lives except be in Australia. But and of course, we... make a fantastic reboot podcast. Of course, of course. Uh, but when I, when I was in Australia, a friend of mine decided to go to the Blue Mountains to camp for a couple of days. And I had this big, giant you know, backpack on, my, on me, hiker backpack that had all of our tent and everything. And so we're walking through the town. We had to get diverted into the mall. And I get, like, pushed up against the, this fence. And I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why all these people are here. And then all of a sudden, Hugh Jackman comes walking around the corner. And he's there to promote... Real Steel or Rock'em Sock'em Robots, as, as I just talked about it. And he just comes through and he shakes everybody's hands and he shakes my hand. And I, I'm not sure, but I feel like he laughed at me a little bit because I had this giant backpacker backpack on and, and moved on. And I was just, in a matter of five minutes, I went from walking down the street to go to the train station to having just shook Hugh Jackman's hand. So I, I thought it was pretty awesome and a good start to my trip. Mm-hmm. And and a very good story. I mean, it, yeah. as much as I give you crap for reminding everyone every time he comes up, <laughs> it, it's it's a good story. I know. I like it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought about not washing my hand for a while, but I'm not really that much of a creeper. So, And I can't really blame you because I do the same thing whenever anyone brings up Jeff Daniels because I was doing theater in Michigan and he was performing because he does, he does comedy music because he's hilarious and uh so he was performing there and so i hung out with him backstage a little bit that's awesome yeah 
that I mean that that legitimately is a good story too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So episode three. I guess. Um. Actually, I got I got one more quote that I forgot about. Oh, do you? Oh, I'm sorry. A mouse says, "Propaganda, divide and conquer. It's a cheap cheap shot. Megabyte to a T." Uh, that's yeah, that's true. Th- yeah, very true, and a great mouse line. Um, so yeah, I agree that I, it's a mediocre episode. Um, I think uh, that does set something up into the third episode, which I didn't think about, which we'll talk more about in the third episode. But when you start talking about propaganda and all that kind of stuff, I immediately start thinking to World War II, and I think they make a lot more perils parallels uh, in this third one mm-hmm. to third reich and stuff so we'll get into that but uh, i guess we can just talk about the episode and just get into it episode is the third episode of the third season. Uh, it's named Firewall, which is going to be very appropriate. Uh, the original air date was September 3rd, 1997. The music was by Robert Buckley, Blair, and Pearson. That's, of course, important for the title sequence. It was written by Dan DiDio, which I can't wait to talk about mm-hmm. because I actually have some comic book information about that as well, and I'm sure you already know about it. And the story is by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. 
The summary is, in his quest for dominance, Megabyte continues his propaganda campaign against Enzo and those that remain safe in the principal office while the rest of mainframe is defenseless again under, is under destruction. In response, Enzo and others build, uh, attempt to build a firewall to imprison Megabyte and all of the G-Prime sector. So, uh, uh, Dan, what do you think of this episode? This episode is awesome. Uh, first, Dan Didio. Let's talk about him real quick. Sure. What do you got? Um, I am not, uh, well, I'm not a comic book guy. Um, I enjoy learning about the stories and stuff, but I'm afraid to get into comic books because I might get into it too hard. But <laughs> I listened to Fat Man on Batman, uh, which is a Kevin Smith podcast, and he talks about everything uh, Batman, you know, from the animated series to anything in the comic book. And just this last week, Dan DiDio was his guest star. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, but I did. he did. I mean, he didn't get into details or anything, but they always start the kind of the, the process that Kevin Smith does is, you know, he likes you to start way in the beginning and how did you get to where you're at, you know, where, where you are right now, which he's, um, you know, what is he, editing director? I'm not he's, sure. He's like, a senior vice president slash executive editor at which, DC Comics. You have probably a better understanding of what that exactly means, but he's basically he like second in charge. Like yeah. he, he's really high up. Sure, and 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 he deserves that too because I guess he's been working on that. He's changed a lot of stuff in DC and in the Batman universe and everything. Um, but just the fact that he on on his show goes and I you know I worked on a little show called Reboot, and I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So and then I looked ahead and Dan DiDio is who wrote this episode, so it's pretty exciting. And you have, I'm sure, far more information on that. But I was just glad that I was able to put the two things together. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's not as well known as the other two. Well, I mean, nowadays he is, but he hasn't made like he 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 didn't recreate the DC universe or create one of the most popular Marvel characters like the other two have. But he's he's been around comics for a long time, and he's great at what he does. So, yeah. Sure, and, you know, I, absolutely, absolutely. Back to Firewall. Do you just want to episode. start with the title sequence? Absolutely. Well, no, let's start with the pre-title sequence. Okay, okay. I mean, the, the show opens up with uh, Enzo and Andrea. Is it Enzo and Andrea or Enzo and Dot? It's Enzo and Dot because no, Andrea. No, it's Enzo and Andrea because now that they've got that fixed, which we didn't mention, I can't remember which episode that was, but Mouse fixed it to where Andrea can go into games and come out again because yeah. you know, being as a game sprite, she couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely Enzo and Andrea. Yeah, uh, that was last episode because um, Andrea prevents Mouse from getting going in to the episode right right uh so that in case the fix didn't work they wouldn't lose both of them i just thought it was a good way that you know to show her character without shoving it down your throat you know she she saw the solution and the best way to do it and just went for it Mm-hmm. and yeah and just shows kind of her brilliance absolutely because it is it makes perfect sense you know they don't have a lot of resources so they got to allocate them the best way possible and minimize risk and that's the best way to do it yeah 
I, I suppose we should start off with saying that this is a James, the James Bond episode that we hinted yes. at earlier. Very much so. Um, more so than to mend and defend was Evil Dead. Yes, I agree. And it's great. I mean, it starts off with a chase sequence where they're chasing a Santa Claus user down a snowy mountain, which is straight out of uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service and um, the, what's the big one? The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. And uh, the Santa Claus gets thrown off the edge or goes off a jump or something and is kind of floating there, which... Uh, and then his balloon opens up and it kind of plays a uh, ho 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 or jingle bells or some sort of some Christmas carol. I can't remember which one, but it's it's a straight reference to the spy who loved me where Roger Moore as James Bond jumps off a cliff very much the same after the, the very similar opening. And as the Union Jack parachute opens up, the James Bond theme hits in. And it's it's just classic James Bond moment, and it's so beautiful, and they parody it so well. Yeah, I mean, they actually took like the scenery itself and digitized it in there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how specific they were to referencing this to on Her Majesty's Secret Service and the Spy Who Loved Me, and it, it it is great. I am I haven't watched all the James Bond movies, but I I am working through them right now slowly, and uh, it is it's fantastic. Yeah, I just watched them last uh, fall with the, uh, the new Bond movie coming out, Skyfall. So mm-hmm. I watched one a day up until Skyfall came out. That's and dedication. It, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was a great experience. I suggest everyone do that with when the next movie comes out because it, it was fun. It was a whole lot of fun. Even some of the less great ones. But yeah, wow. uh Great, great episode. I mean, great intro, and then it goes into a theme song very similar to um, the the James Bond themes, which was just amazing. Like I, I, I forgot to start taking notes for a while because I was just dumbstruck at how incredible that title sequence was. Yeah, I have very few notes on this episode because it was so good. I I couldn't yeah. take notes. I was watching the episode. Yeah, I had to go back and and rewrite some stuff because I like I know that there was something good there, and then when I started looking up some references and stuff, I was like, "There's so many I missed." You know, I actually went back and watched parts of this again because this this whole episode is fantastic. But that that firewall sequence, I mean, the music was incredible, and it almost and I, I meant to look it up, but it almost sounded like like a like a singer that that is in. Mm-hmm. Um, a James Bond, like they have that. It, yeah. They always have that mysterious woman. Do you know who it was? It's the Goldfinger theme, is what the music sounds very much like. Right, um, but is the same singer? I don't think it's the same singer. No. Okay, but she did a good job, regardless. Yeah, whoever it was, um, who did the original? Why isn't it right here? Shirley Bassey is who it sounds like. And I don't think she was the one who actually did the reboot. Well, that would have been a long time after Goldfinger, too. Yeah, so. but she did but, uh, just sing Goldfinger at the Oscars this year. Which that was, was her. I was just going to yeah. ask you. 
it, it was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, she did a good job. I mean, she's obviously a lot older, but she still has a good voice. Yep. And uh, the the visuals of the firewall intro theme were very similar to Gold Golden Eye, not Goldfinger. Um, it just stylistically and with all the fire and stuff. That was the one that stuck out in my mind as being closest to. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I, I have seen that one. But, I mean, there was, you know, forgive me for saying this, but there's some pretty sexy images of Dot. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty risque. It was awesome. It was very James Bond. Yeah, I think Dot might have been my first crush. You think so? It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's probably not true. I just said it for yeah. a joke. Just and to I, clarify I, for well, everyone else. <laughs> considering you started watching um, this, what, two years ago? <laughs> uh, no, um, I watched some of it when I was younger. I just okay. don't remember as much. So, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, the main plot of this episode is you know they're trying to overcome the bad propaganda against Enzo that Megabyte has put out using his spies. And then put up a firewall around the Getty Prime sector to isolate them from the rest of everyone. Which is a brilliant plan. And mm-hmm. they give, I think, too much credit to Enzo, personally. Because it really was, I mean, he just had the kind of the generalized idea. And then everyone else took it and made it awesome. But, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got... Hugh Branch and the Tech Boys, which is a reference off of the Q Branch, led by Q, who's the guy who gives James Bond all his, you know, neat gadgets and stuff. And they even have a parody scene where <laughs> they're going through the um, area where they're doing everything, and the, the, you know, you've got the crash dummies flying all over, and it's good stuff. Yeah, no, that was that was really good. And I, I think at one point he even talks about like bringing it back in one piece, which is something Q always says to mm-hmm. James and never he does. Never of course. does. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were talking a little bit about Andrea earlier, but Andrea stepped right in front of Enzo when they got back um, because Megabyte was standing there waiting for him and just immediately got in front of him and started to stare down Megabyte. She's just so dedicated and so brave. Like, I just thought that was pretty cool. I wanted to to add that to it. Yeah. Um, they were talking about how how the you know the reboot gang is is hiding behind the shields of the principal office. Didn't we learn in a previous episode that they can bring in the entire population of mainframe into the principal's office? Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're not doing that. Uh, uh it it was a full season ago. I I. I got nothing. Yeah, I, it's one of those things that you know just bothers me for no real reason. But, um, yeah. Well, I guess. Um, I mean, we've got Cyrus this episode, who's the spy. He's the Afro binome, who is giving out all the um, propaganda against Enzo, and so that could be why they could be just protecting themselves from spies by just keeping and the I- people they trust in. And that's, you know, it's a good military move. 
That's the best I can come up with, though. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, Air Doctor is just pure evil, man. You know, he's like he's a mix of all of like the Third Reich. You know, he's got the the Goebbels thing going on, and then he I can't and I I can't think of his name, and I looked it up beforehand, but like the famous Nazi doctor that made all those experiments and everybody you know he's got that you know part of him I, I don't know he's he's a great character a uh, great little minion to um megafi- or megabyte yeah yeah he's, he's uh i think if megabyte were ever to get killed or captured or anything i think hair doctor would be a very good replacement yeah the and- only suitable one Maybe even better than Megabyte. But he doesn't seem to have as much of an ego. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he even called Megabyte my Fuhrer in this episode. Did you catch that? I did not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, this is, this, this is like straight out of the Nazi handbook, yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree with you that he'd be a good replacement to Megabyte. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so they get uh, get into a game that's a mini toy racer or something like that, and they they uh, reboot and Enzo of course reboots as a James Bond character, you know, wearing the tuxedo. I'm I'm Enzo, Guardian Enzo. Yeah, uh, fun game. Uh, not overwhelmingly cool but the the room that it's in is very similar to andy's room in the toy story absolutely yeah which you know huge fan of toy story oh and i was talking about this this the other day yeah i cannot think of another trilogy where all three of the movies are equally good if not better there's always one that's a that's a little worse than the other and but toy stories all three are extremely Strong movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think Toy Story 3 got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's what prevented them from getting a full 300 for all three movies. Really? Yeah. See, I mean, that's that's legitimate. That's I mean, they're, ridiculous. They're Actually, I think yeah. it's number two that has a 99%. Which I would say is, would probably be the weakest of the three, but, I mean, they're all amazing, and I love watching all of them. But, uh, uh, yeah, and then they had a bunch of um, wacky races and the perils of Penelope pit stop references. I don't know if you saw these shows when you were younger, but my dad is, my dad watches cartoons more than the average, you know, (laughs) six-year-old. And what what he loves watching is, uh, like boomerang cartoons, like all mm. these really old Hanna Barbera stuff. So I grew up watching the wacky races with Dick Dastardilly and and everything. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember watching some of those, and after looking up that reference, like totally, totally legit. Like, uh, it's Cyrus and Frisket who reboot as Dick Dastardly and the dog, whatever the dog's name was, Mutley. Yeah, Mutley. Yeah, and and that makes perfect sense because Dick Dastardly is an idiot, which you know Cyrus is not <laughs> the most intelligent either. And their car looks very good. At one point, 
um, uh, or Muttley, uh, Frisket even does the Muttley laugh. You know, he goes, <laughs> like this. Yeah, the very voice or, or breathy laugh. Yeah, it's good stuff. And she is the most, like, when you talk about sexism, like, everyone's car does all these cool things. Like, some can fly, some have turbo. Her car has, like, will put on makeup while she's driving. And, you know, she, she can touch up her lipstick while she's driving. You know, it's it's so terrible, but, uh, uh, you know, hilarious. And I think at one point um, she even says, help, help, which is the theme, uh, which is from a separate show, which is Carols of Penelope Pitstop, which is a spinoff of Wacky Races. And the whole scene, like she, the whole move, the show, important to the show is that she's being like attacked and chased down and all these guys got to save her. And she always goes, help, help. I mean, it's just terrible. Like a feminist has got to be upset about this, but it's hilarious. Yeah. You're talking about the user. You cut out for a second at the beginning there. Oh yes. I'm sorry. Penelope, which is the, it was the girl in the pink car. Yeah. She's the user. Yeah. And cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude. Don't think you could get away with something like that nowadays. Oh hell no. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Not a, not a great game in the episode, but there are a lot of cool references around yeah. the game, like the uh, Penelope pit stop and the Dick Dastardly. <coughs> and uh, there's Him? the cupboard from the Indian in the cupboard in in the room. And I'm going to go get some water. Have you seen that? Yeah, okay. a, a long time ago, but yeah, I saw it. I, I I saw that movie a long time ago, but I always loved Indian in the Cupboard. I always thought it was really cool. Um, yeah. So that was cool that they put that in there. I read a, I read the book, too, and remember enjoying it, but I was probably like 10 at the time. Yeah. Cool. There was, there was a T-Root. T-Rex that attacked uh, Enzo's car. Yes. And that was very much a Jurassic Park reference. And then Frisket chases him down. Yeah. Of course, Frisket to the rescue once again. I know, taking out a T-Rex for crying out loud. Not many creatures can say that they did that. (laughs) Well, I know. I think there was a previous episode where it just cuts to him for a minute. And he's just thrashing an ABC, just throwing it around <laughs> for no reason. You know, I mean, just I love that. Uh, good stuff. We're having technical difficulties, so I think we should try to wrap this up real quick. Fair enough. Um, you know, so there's a, a lot of references. You know, we saw Herbie the Love Bug. Um, there's a couple good lines. Do you want to go into lines real quick? Uh, one more reference to James Bond. Uh, when Enzo's falling and Cyrus catches him, it's in a little gyro playing copter thing. That uh, it is a reference to Little Nelly in You Only Live Twice. I've never seen that one. I thought it reminded me of Fong's uh, the helicopter from Mad Max. That's what yeah. it made me think of. And I believe I made a reference that it looked like Little Nelly in that... Uh, oh, did you? <laughs> in that episode, so. That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we saw the Pixar lamp, which has a name, I found out, Luxo Jr. Yep. I did not know that. Um, I think we we saw the DeLorean. He was behind the tank. 
you know, from the Back to the Future. Yeah, I saw that reference, and I I couldn't find it. I need to go back and find a screenshot. Yeah, I of didn't. That. Yeah, that's to be fair. To be fair, I didn't see that, so I'm I I don't know. I just read that. Um, and Dan, I think we just need to um get this out of the way and talk about it, and then not talk about it again. All right. How disappointed are you in Two Guy? Uh, a little bit, a lot of bit. It it was it was sad. He's a follower, not a leader. I've always thought that he was a leader, and he went after um, Enzo, and I, I was not impressed. Yep. <laughs> Disappointing, Duke. You are no longer our favorite one-off character. I was disappointed. <laughs> There's a little Babylon reference for you. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Um, and then there was a couple good lines, I think. Uh, I, I can't exactly remember. I think someone, I think it was Air Doctor, was talking to Megabyte about his plan, and he just mm-hmm. goes, yes, yes, yes. It was rather good, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, just, I loved it. It just worked out very well. Yeah, it's, someone says, you did that to your own sister, and then he says that line. <laughs> it's just like, wait, he, he knows that's evil, but he embellishes it embraces it and loves that he's so out there with his vileness absolutely man i mean he is evil among the evils and he loves it loves it do you have any lines i had that one and of course it's matrix guardian matrix yes that was very good um cyrus made a very cheesy line when he picked him up. He goes, I thought picking you up would be a change from always putting you down, yep. uh, which was extremely cheesy. And then, of course, there's the the Fong line early on when they are talking about putting up the firewall. Like, cage the tiger, and you can walk over the forest freely. <laughs> oh, Fong. Yes. Uh, well, overall, good yeah. episode. I love it. I mean, I love the James Bond movies, obviously, since I watched all of them. And, yeah, it's it's good. A lot of great references to that, but not, like, overwhelming. Uh, one that's very subtle but I thoroughly enjoyed was uh, in all the Bond movies, they take the theme song and work it into the score throughout the movie, and they did that with this episode, which I thought was just brilliant. Loved it. Um, yeah, good true, good yeah. episode. Uh, again, one of my favorites. Let's do it, Guardian. Reboot! What is it with you and motorbikes? You look fantastic, Enzo. That's Matrix. Guardian Matrix. Well, Dan, you want to just go back and rate these episodes then? Absolutely. All right, so the first episode we're going to talk about here and rate is To Mend and Defend. What do you think of this episode, Dan? Again, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it, it's definitely in top half of the episodes of this series, probably top quarter. I don't know if it quite makes top ten, but I do thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I'd, I'd say probably... Eight, uh, eight hellhound friskets. Oh, that's very good. Um, 
when you, I, I think the first episode in the season always has the hardest rap because you always come off a very strong episode, or at least you try to come off a very strong episode. And if it's not a two-parter, then the next season, you know, you have to start all over and it's never strong as the last one. So kind of gets a bad rap, but I will agree with Dan that it's overall a very good episode. We had some great references and, you know, you really get to see Enzo working towards becoming what he'll be later. Um, so I gave it eight groovies. Nice. You. All right. Um, and moving on to between a raccoon and a hard place. Joey, what are your thoughts? You know, we talked about this already. I, it just, especially being sandwiched in between two very good episodes. Um, I, I really didn't care for this episode. I didn't care for the game. I don't understand how Rocky or what, uh, Rocky or whatever the raccoon's name is Rocky. Yeah. Um, was really the user it didn't make a whole lot of sense so uh, i decided to give it five jeb bartlett wannabe speeches <laughs> jeb bartlett the president in west wing so gotcha <laughs> and what about you dan um I, I yeah middle of the line at best for this episode uh i can't really give it a five i don't think um. Yeah, looking back at my previous scores, giving um Enzo the smart a five, and yeah, that that's pretty much my low score. I I'm gonna have to go with a four on this one. I don't think it's quite as good as Enzo the smart. It, it just it focuses too much on a story that's not great. And it, it's necessary, but they should have had it more of a you know, one of a couple stories in that episode. Like a B storyline or something. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Not necessarily that being the B story, but having a B story would have made it yes. this episode a lot better. Uh, sure. So uh, I'll give it four, um, four train or, or four flat raccoons. <laughs> Which happens, I think, twice. So... <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you, but there was Jean-Luc quotes in there, so I you know, had to do that. But Fair. Got to represent for Captain Picard. Um, what did you think of Firewall, Dan? Firewall, loved it. Uh, the, I want to say best episode so far, but I don't know if I can rightfully do that. I'm going to have to give it 9.5 Enzos in a Tuxedos. Which I don't think will ever happen again, but he looks very good in tuxedo. Right. Who doesn't, though? I mean, put a tuxedo on pretty much anybody, and they look at least somewhat impressive. That's true. No, you're, you're right. Tuxedos do well uh, for the male figure. Um, they, I, had, I wore one to work the other day because uh, we did a men in black um, day. Like, we all wore black and white. Nice. And the only thing that I have that was all black was a tuxedo. I mean, it's a cheap tuxedo, but... Right. So I felt I felt pretty cool. I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you wholeheartedly, Dan. We had a fantastic episode. We had good lines. We had great references. Uh, so I am also going to give it a nine point five, uh, but I'm gonna give it a nine point five two guy betrayals because I'm gonna take it as a personal uh, betrayal of my trust that he has a poor character. So that. That is a very good one, and it makes me angry. 
I, know. I almost want to go back to nine for his betrayal. I, but it's, I, it's a good. It hurt. It's a good character moment, so I'll keep it at a nine point five. I'm hoping that there's going to be growth in the future. Everybody can slip, and I get that. So I'm I'm giving him a chance to to be a better cute guy. Yeah. Megabyte's using one of his spies to try and turn mainframe against you. What for? Propaganda. Divide and conquer. It's a cheap shot. Megabyte to a T. Cool. Well, that wraps up episode eight of the Mainframe Chronicle. Um, if you want to listen to that podcast it, that talked to the owner of, or CEO or somebody high up in Mainframe Entertainment, or I guess they're Rainmaker Entertainment now, uh, that's Toonami Faithful Podcast, episode 41, and it starts at about 41 minutes, I think, is when they talk about Reboot. Uh, I'll, I'll post a link to that at our Blogspot page, which, of course, is mainframechronicle.blogspot.com. Send us an email at mainframechronicle at gmail.com if you want to you know, let us know how we're doing. Ta- tell us what you like, what you don't like. Tell us why you love Reboot and why you're listening to our podcast. I mean, obviously because the show is awesome. Exactly. But yeah, um, we have a Twitter at MF Chronicle. Uh, we don't use it much, uh, but yeah, it's there. Uh, please go over to our Facebook page and like us there. It helps us get more noticed as well as rate and review us on iTunes. We need some reviews on there, so definitely go do that. And, you know, writing writing a review and, tw- you know, tweeting at us and getting on our Facebook, that's not all about just us. You know, it's about proving that there's a dedicated fan base for Reboot because, you know, like Dan and I talked about at the beginning of the episode, there is talk about maybe bringing back Reboot in some kind of capacity. I don't know what it would be, but um, you know, if we prove that there's a dedicated fan base by following this and, you know, letting us know, then, you know, that might help. It could be, it could help the future Reboot in general. Yep. Uh, so definitely use the hashtag bring back Reboot. Uh, it, it'll be good for everybody. Um, yeah, if we get more listeners, more reviews on iTunes and such, we can start being more active about that as well. So, Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Um, thanks for listening. As always, he is Joey Morris. And he is Dan Janes. Stay frosty, my friends. There you go. (laughs) Oh, isn't this rich? Aren't we a pair? Now it is the jailer who is jailed.
archer, the battling bowman, Ollie, whatever name you know him by, he is best known as Oliver Queen, the billionaire playboy who was stranded on an island for five years, forcing him to become the Arrow. Join us as we follow his journey to clean up the mess his father helped create in Starling City. I am Daniel James. I'm Chris O'Neill. I'm Laurel Murray. And I'm Rudy Schubach. And you should check out Rogue Arrow Podcast, where we talk about the CW show Arrow. You can find us at roguearrow.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes or Facebook for Rogue Arrow Podcast. The movie game is a game that Rudy and I play where we come up with a starting point and an ending point and we try to get there using the same rules as Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, essentially. More often than not, it just sort of devolves into uh, a vehicle for which you talk about awesome movies. But yeah, that's sort of the, the bare bone structure from, what, from the way I play it. Yes, so Sorry. Rudy, what are we going to be <laughs> starting off with? Uh, we're starting with uh, Drive. So we're going from Drive to Goldfinger. We're going to connect them somehow. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll say we got the movie Drive. We're going to Ryan Gosling just because he's the only one going in the cinema. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Ryan Gosling is also in The Notebook. Uh, I don't know The Notebook yeah. either. Uh, wait, awesome. who's in that? Someone, um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams, another name I don't know. So maybe Drive uh, is not the best in, place Oh no, to I got this one. Okay, uh, Rachel McAdams was in uh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, awesome. Um, that's Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. I think I'll go Vince Vaughn. I feel like he's more okay. connected. Let's go Vince Vaughn to uh, his early work, Swingers. We'll go John Favreau. Uh, so let's go with John Favreau to. He was in a bunch of movies recently. He was in um, I Love You Man. Pretty much all the Marvel movies. He was. He was in specifically Iron Man. And in yeah. Iron Man, there was. Can we go through. Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Yeah, so either of the. We can go through either of the guys who played Colonel James Rhodes, or we can go through. Robert Downey was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. With Val Kilmer? Yeah. Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer was in... Val Kilmer was in Batman Forever. Which so was... Which was... Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones and, and, and Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones. He's got to have been in a movie that we can go through. A lot of people give us crap because they're like, you should be trying to find the shortest route. And it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. No, no. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a great example because we're not stopping and talking about all the movies. But right. that's what we normally do, and that's usually what this game is played for. Okay, so, uh, so we got Tommy Lee Jones. We're going to go with Tommy Lee Jones to, what was he? He was in something less modern. we got to start moving backwards. He was in the Fugitive. Fugitive. Uh, Harrison Ford. Well, that'll get us to um, Harrison Ford, exactly. Harrison Ford's uh, an older actor, which means he'll be in movies closer to that country. Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh no! Yes, you're right. He played Indy's father, and there you go. Harrison Ford 
to Sean Connery through Last Crusade to James Bond Pope figure. Bam. Awesome. Well, anyway, so that's that's an example of the movie (laughs) game. Yay, we made it. Check out the Cinemasters podcast at thecinemasters.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Cinemasters Podcast.